Hi, you're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily from Curiosity.com. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you learn about how brushing your teeth can slow aging with help from author Andrew Steele and why dolphin and whale blowholes start out as regular old noses. We'll also answer a listener question about what happens when humans manipulate the weather. Let's satisfy some curiosity. Yesterday, Andrew Steele told us about the exciting approaches scientists are taking to slow aging and keep us healthy for longer. Go back and listen to yesterday's episode if you haven't heard it. Now, in that conversation, he mentioned a few ways we can stave off aging ourselves while we wait for those treatments. Stuff like exercise, healthy eating, and brushing our teeth. Yeah, believe it or not, poor dental health is linked to diseases of aging. And Andrew Steele is going to explain why. He's a computational biologist and science writer and author of Ageless, the new science of getting older without getting old. Here he is with some obvious and not so obvious advice on how to slow the aging process. I found that health advice falls into basically two categories. And the first category is things that sound kind of obvious, but actually understanding the aging biology behind them makes them a lot more compelling. And I think a really great example of this is exercise, because, you know, we've all heard a million times that we should try and get half an hour's exercise a day and et cetera, et cetera. But when you understand the aging biology, you realize it's literally slowing down the aging process. You know, it's, it's, it's affecting your whole body in ways that are, as I say, effectively as though you're aging more slowly. That's really encouraged me you know I wasn't a couch potato before but I'm really trying to make sure you know I, I do get my half hour you know go running or go for a bike ride to make sure I get that half hour a day and then the second category is exactly the sort that you just mentioned so where understanding aging biology illuminates something you know just really really unexpected and I think brushing your teeth is a really great example this was first noticed actually in the 1990s and it was thought to be a classic example of where correlation doesn't equal causation because what scientists noticed was that people with better oral hygiene better teeth better gums seem to get fewer heart attacks and so the reason that might look like correlation not being causation is that maybe there's some third factor maybe it's for example that people who are wealthier they've got more time to exercise they've got more time to have a better diet they take better care of their teeth they've got more money to spend at the dentist so maybe it's that wealth that's driving the increase in lifespan the decrease in heart attacks rather than something fundamental about doing your teeth However, as we've understood more about the aging biology and done more studies, it's looking increasingly likely that having a oral hygiene can actually drive reductions in things like heart attack and maybe even reductions in dementia. And the process that's thought to be behind that is a process called chronic inflammation. So inflammation is the process by which our immune system responds to threats. And when you're young, that's normally acute. So, you know, say you get a cut, say you get an infection, your immune system rushes in, sorts out the problem. And then as soon as that problem has gone, the immune response dies away and everything's fine. But as we get older, our immune system enters this sort of state of low level paranoia. It's constantly looking over its shoulder. And this chronic inflammation, this sort of ongoing battle inside our body is something that drives the aging process. Actually, this uh, the, the toxic molecules that senescent cells give out, a lot of those are inflammatory molecules that are driving this chronic inflammation process. So how does that affect your dentistry? Well, imagine you've got bacteria in your mouth. They're attacking your gums. They're attacking your teeth. If you've got poor oral hygiene, what that means is there's this constant battle in your mouth going on between your immune system and the bacteria. And as you know, you know the reason that you have to have things like fillings and extractions uh, in your mouth is because fundamentally it's a battle that your immune system can't win. 
And so that means it's exactly what we just said. It's inflammation, it's the immune response, and it's chronic, it's ongoing. And so it's thought that by that process, it can accelerate aging. And so as I say, it seems to accelerate things like heart disease. There's also some evidence that it accelerates cognitive decline. So there's some really tantalizing work that's been done showing that the bacteria that cause gum disease have been found in the brains of people with dementia. Now, this, again, could be correlation causation. We don't know which way around this goes. It could be that those bacteria are taking advantage of the diseased brain to sort of sneak in there. Or it could be that they're one of the things that drives dementia. But either way, I'm going to be, you know, flossing, brushing, you know, try and make sure I maintain excellent oral hygiene because I, I don't want to find out. <laughs> I, for one, am definitely taking his advice. Again, that was Andrew Steele, a computational biologist and science writer and author of Ageless, the new science of getting older without getting old. You can find a link to pick it up in the show notes. Whales, dolphins, and porpoises do a lot of stuff worth talking about. Even before they're born, these aquatic mammals pull off something spectacular. They develop a blowhole. A new study has uncovered exactly how that development happens. And the researchers say it's a process unlike anything else in the animal kingdom. The blowhole is actually a nasal passage, just one that's situated on the top of the head. There's still a lot of debate about how the blowhole evolved, but its existence makes a lot of sense when you consider the evolutionary history of cetaceans. That's whales, dolphins, and porpoises. Their ancestors walked on land. They had four legs and zero blowholes. Researchers think they slowly evolved blowholes as they adapted to life in the water. For a clue as to how that evolution happened, the scientists behind this study wanted to know how blowholes develop in the womb. To find out, they used scans and photos of cetacean embryos and fetuses preserved at different stages of development. Those examples help them keep track of the subtle anatomical changes that collectively transform a tiny bean of an embryo into a developed dolphin or whale fetus. They discovered that it's a process unique among mammals. See, the nasal passage that will become the blowhole starts out as a fairly normal nostril. It's parallel to the roof of the mouth and ends in an opening on the front of the face. It's actually incredibly cute in an alien sort of way. At this point, the embryo's face points forward, like a person's. As the weeks and months go by, three unusual things happen. First, the area between the roof of the mouth and the blowhole-to-be starts to grow. Fast. Imagine your nose and upper lip started heading in opposite directions. The snout also grows longer and downward, away from the blowhole. Finally, and this may be the weirdest part, the skull folds backward and rotates the head back, putting the face and snout in line with the rest of the body and pointing the blowhole straight to the sky. The researchers used their data to develop a formal model that explains a lot of details, like how the other organs managed to develop around the blowhole's stunning transformation. And while it doesn't answer the question of how cetaceans evolved blowholes, it does give scientists a hypothesis and kind of puts our nostrils to shame. We got a listener question from Joseph in Peoria, Illinois, who writes... My son and I have recently had a conversation about weather manipulation. It left me wanting more information about it. Can you do a segment on weather manipulation, specifically if there are any effects on neighboring states or countries? Like, if California forced rain, would the states east of it get less water because California is taking it all? Great question, Joseph. 
The answer to your question is actually the whole reason that weather manipulation is so controversial. That is, we don't know if there would be unintended effects. Here's why. So we've been able to manipulate the weather since 1946, when atmospheric scientist Vincent Schaefer realized that he could make a cloud produce snow by seeding it with dry ice. Scientists since then have used different compounds for cloud seeding, but the basic idea is the same. You infuse the cloud with tiny particles that become nuclei for ice crystals. When the crystals get big enough, they fall as precipitation, stuff like rain, snow, or hail, depending on temperature and other conditions. Only a year after that method was discovered, the U.S. military attempted to break up a hurricane off the coast of Florida by seeding the clouds with dry ice. The day after, the hurricane changed direction and hit Georgia instead. Cloud seeding is now very much a reality. In 2008, China claimed to have cleared the skies ahead of the Olympics by seeding clouds with salt. And they're not the only ones. More than 50 countries around the world currently have weather modification programs. Those include cooling the ocean with frozen material, reducing water evaporation with a chemical film, injecting air into a storm's center, or blowing a hurricane apart with hydrogen bombs. Another approach that's being considered for reducing climate change involves pumping the atmosphere with tiny particles that could reflect the sun's energy, the way volcanic smoke does after an eruption. And here's the problem with every one of these approaches. We don't know enough about the weather to know if they'll work and whether they'll cause unintended consequences. Even cloud seeding isn't totally understood. It doesn't work on every cloud every time, and we aren't even sure how much of the precipitation is caused by the seeding and how much would have fallen anyway. And remember that thing about the U.S. military breaking up a hurricane that headed toward Georgia? We don't even know if that was their fault or if it would have happened naturally. So, yeah, there are risks, but we don't know what they are or how dangerous they might be. Proponents would argue that we're already modifying the weather through human-caused climate change, and we need some sort of intervention to fix what we've done. This podcast certainly does not have the final answer. Long story short, we don't know if weather manipulation would have unintended effects, but it might be worth the risks. Or it might not. Thanks for your question, Joseph. If you have a question, send it in to curiosity at discovery.com or leave us a voicemail at 312-596-5208. Ashley, we can't stop, won't stop. So let's give our esteemed listener a sneak peek at what they'll hear next week on Curiosity Daily. Well, next week, you'll learn about how exposure to sunlight could lead to more romantic passion, why it's a good idea to put some painkillers in your pocket if you get exposed to radiation, how scientists grew stem cell mini-brains that developed eyes of their own, the universe's most epic object, the blazar, and more. Okay, so now let's recap what we learned today, starting with the fact that according to Andrew Steele, exercising literally slows down the aging process in your body. So get up and move. And on top of that, remember to brush your teeth. You have greater risk of chronic inflammation if you don't take care of your teeth. And recent research suggests that type of inflammation is a major driver in the aging process. Good old oral hygiene could help you reduce your risk of heart disease or even of accelerated aging and cognitive decline. Like how you and I were just both lamenting about how our recent dental visits have not gone as well as we'd like. Right. I mean, I didn't go to the dentist throughout the entire pandemic, and I think I'm really paying for it right now. 
Yeah, you and I both would go every six months, got clean bills of health every time, and then good old pandemic hit. So I have done a couple public service announcements on the show, reminding people to go see your dentist. I will do it again. I know things are still hard and it's tough to schedule and all that. And also many Americans don't have health insurance, much less dental insurance. So that's understandable too. But if you can, get them checked out. I mean, we just talked about how important it is. Yes. We also learned that the blowhole on dolphins and whales and porpoises is basically just a fancy nasal passage. And a new study finds that early on in embryonic development, it even starts out like our nasal passages do. But then it starts to move northward while the snout grows longer and starts pointing down. And then the whole skull folds backward to put the head more in line with the rest of the body. And that sends this mere nasal passage to the top of the head, where it becomes an honest-to-goodness blowhole. The researchers say this process is unlike anything else in the animal kingdom. You know I love this story, Cody. (laughs) (laughs) I've pitched this story so many times. You're like, their noses move and it's blow. There's no, they start as noses. I'm like, I, I don't care about the nose, but it is weird and cool and unique, as you mentioned. So I like it's that. So I just, the blowhole is a nostril. It's just a nostril. It's just a, just a pointing up straight at the sky nostril. Ah, evolution's so weird. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. Yeah. Well, we also learned that weather modification has been around since the 1940s, but we still don't know enough about it to know what unintended effects it might have or even if it works all that well. In any case, more than 50 countries around the world currently have weather modification programs. So this issue is here now, and it's one that we have to wrestle with. Also, a fun fact that I learned when writing this answer is that so so we mentioned the scientist Vincent Schaefer, who's the first one to see the cloud, but he did the preliminary research alongside a physicist named Bernard Vonnegut, who is Kurt Vonnegut's brother. Who knew? Yeah. The last Kurt Vonnegut book I read was Galapagos, which I recommend. It's pretty good. I've only read one Kurt Vonnegut book, and I cannot even remember which one that is. That's probably the famous one, right? What's the famous one? Slaughterhouse-Five. Ah, no comment. <laughs> I right. literally don't remember. All right, then. Yeah, Galapagos, really good science fiction novel that takes place on the Galapagos Islands. Who knew? But yeah, I thought this story was pretty funny because you talk about not knowing how weather modification will impact the weather places. I mean, it's like meteorologists can't even tell me when it's going to rain in my neighborhood Right. And like, this is not a fault of meteorologists. It's just the fact that our planet is very connected and it's very hard to predict things. I mean, think about how many times it was supposed to or not supposed to rain in your neighborhood and then it didn't happen. Now imagine that, but like add in us modifying it and not being exactly sure how we're doing it or how much we're doing it. There's just too many variables. I mean, weather is literally chaos theory. It is literally predicting chaos. It is Very hard to do. Yeah. But I do want to say weather predictions are getting better and better all the time. We are miles ahead of where we were decades ago. So, Oh, for sure. Just sometimes doesn't feel that way. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't feel that way when you want to go on a picnic and it's supposed to be all sunny and then suddenly it's sleeting. Not that that's ever happened to me in Chicago. I'm just saying. 
The writer for today's blowhole story was Grant Curran. Our managing editor is Ashley Hamer, who is also a writer and audio editor on today's episode. Our producer and lead audio editor is Cody Goff. Have a great weekend. I hope it's warm and sunny or whatever you want it to be, irrespective of what the weather forecast is. And then join us again Monday to learn something new in just a few minutes. And until then, stay curious. Stay curious.